it goes back to like deservingness and worthiness, right? It's like, there's a part of you that's telling the universe, I don't deserve more. And when you put out that fear, when you have those financial fictions in your head saying like, it is easy to lose money. I don't have the education. I am not a numbers person. Like whatever you're telling yourself, you are just putting that out into the universe. And it's like, there's a certain type of person that does the work and says, you know what? I am going to choose to not believe these voices anymore. Come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I'm so excited for you to meet our guest this week. Lisa Carmen Wing is the founder and CEO of Bad Bitch Empire, a community investment platform building unapologetic worth and wealth for women. Hello to that. She is a former four-time USA national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur, angel investor, venture capitalist, certified executive coach, and global speaker. She has been named Forbes 30 under 30 in venture capital, Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women, Fast Company Executive Board, and Red Bull Hero of the Year. Featured on Wall Street Journal's Forbes Fortune. Come on. Lisa began her career at a $15 billion hedge fund. She's a graduate of Yale University. I could not even get in there. And is on a lifelong mission to help women build unapologetic worth and wealth. Lisa, thank you so much for what you're doing and thank you for being here. Thank you, Heather. I'm so excited to be here. Your freaking bio is beyond impressive, and but this sucks. And I'm going to tell you why I don't like your bio, because it's so good. People listening right now are going to be like, well, of course she can do it. I mean, she went to Yale. What do you have to say to that? It was definitely not a given, right? So my parents were immigrants. We came here with $200, you know, and I was born in an all-white neighborhood. And there was really nothing about... <laughs> my background that was like destined for success. And I mean, I think one thing that I've learned, especially in my career, my decade long career as a gymnast is it's true. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Like I've never been the smartest student. I've never been the most flexible, the most strong gymnast, but it was the one thing that my coaches and teachers always said were like, wow, this girl works her ass off. And I think that that really is the key to success because it's the ability to see a vision for yourself that's greater than your current reality and then project that and have so much conviction in it that no matter what happens around you, no matter what the naysayers or critics say, there's a part of you that says, no, I know that I'm meant for something more. And it was that voice inside of me that has just always felt that I was meant for something more. And so- I worked my ass off to get to every single thing that I have gotten. I can't agree with you more. I always tell everybody my strategy to get ahead in business was to outwork everyone. It's not that hard. You don't need to be the smartest person to figure it out. You just have to be willing to put the effort in. But something that you just said really got my attention. This idea that you had this knowing, you had this conviction, that you had this vision that it was possible. And I've struggled with this having succeeded in corporate America, you know, and saying, okay, like our stories are very different, but very similar in some ways that you had that success in corporate America. You walked from it to take a risk, to go try something totally different. I was fired and was forced into the risk. But when I started over new, I went back and forth with, I know I'm going to kill at this. I am going to be just as successful at this. And then days where I'm like, oh no, I'm not. Who am I kidding? Did you have those same struggles and self-doubt with moments of the conviction? all the time. And I honestly think it's a very recent development that I actually feel 
secure and confident in myself. And one thing that I actually talk about at the very end of my book is really how when I first got the book deal to write the Bad Bitch Business Bible, that when you see the cover of this book, it's like I had to create almost an alter ego of like the woman that I wanted to be. And I had this vision of this woman who was unapologetic, confident, magnetic, abundant. She just like knew what she wanted. She went after it and like never doubted herself. And I was like, I'm not that woman yet. So even when I wrote the book, it was like this process of forcing myself to level up because it's like how Beyonce is Sasha Fierce, you know? And it was like all those times that I felt like I was down on myself. I felt like I wasn't good enough. And honestly, by the way, the fact that I never felt like I was good enough is probably one of the reasons why I worked so hard to accomplish things. I did have that driver, like that innate feeling of unworthiness. And so it was almost like I had to create this alter ego for myself of like, one day I'm going to become her. And I hope in the process of birthing this bad bitch business Bible that I will be able to become her. And it really did force me to level up because I was noticing areas in my life where I was still not asserting my boundaries. I was still not advocating for my worth. And I was just like, I can't honestly be the leader of the bad bitch empire if I'm not walking the bad bitch walk. And so it was like the process of birthing this book actually got me to the place where I'm like, wow, I feel like I actually am the woman on the cover now. That came chills. That's like my first book, Confidence Creator. I was the same thing. I'm like, I can't launch a book called Confidence Creator if I'm not legitimately creating it on the daily for me. So people write about and talk about what they need to be about and to read about, right? So it just helps push you into that next level version of you. So I'm so glad you shared that for everyone listening. You know, no matter where you are in your struggle right now, you don't have to believe in it 100% of the time to actually get there. Like Lisa just said, she decided and committed to the book before she was even there. And now today she finally is. So kudos to you. I'm so proud of you. All right. Talk to me about this idea of good girl brainwashing. What is that? So good girl brainwashing is all of the societal and media messages that have brainwashed women to stay silent, small, and subordinate. It makes us afraid to take a risk. It makes us afraid to bet on ourselves or trust ourselves, and it outsources our worth to other people. We learn to be obedient to the system, obedient to the status quo, and obedient to other people's opinion of our own. And at the bigger level in terms of business, we see the consequences of that. We see the consequences of women not earning the money, not being in leadership roles, not asserting themselves in spaces where they probably are even better leaders. And so I think that I saw good girl brainwashing in myself because I grew up as the insecure, obedient, good girl that, you know, when you even think about gymnastics, it's like, I was trained to be the perfect 10 gymnast and literally the value was given to me by judges and coaches. And, you know, they tell you that you're two pounds too heavy or that you, you know, your toe was unpointed, your leotard is ugly. And so you learn to be really judgmental of yourself. And so when you extract that out to how girls and women feel today, so many of us are 
focused on all the areas that we're not good enough, not pretty enough, not skinny enough, not bold enough, not experienced enough. And that's part of the good girl brainwashing that has continually created these habits of over-perfectionism, over-politeness, fear of speaking up, not negotiating, not standing up for our worth, and not walking away from disrespect, right? And that's really where confidence comes in, which is the unapologetic nature of, I know what I want. I know I'm going to get what I want and I have enough self-respect to walk away from the people who disrespect me because I have that abundance mentality. And I know that a bad bitch always has options. Oh my gosh. That is so good. You talk about perfectionism, shame, guilt. And it was interesting to me that those were kind of all lumped together because on the outside looking in, shame and guilt seem so different than perfectionism. How do you see all those things somewhat tied together? So perfectionism is, we think it's a good thing, but I think it's actually the opposite of power. Because when you think about how women operate in terms of anything from interviewing for a job, applying for a job, asking for investment, we think that by preparing, by being 100% ready, that we'll finally get to that place where people will accept us and validate us. But really it's just masking this feeling of that you're not sufficient enough. You're not good enough. And there's something beneath that, that is around that self-shame, right? You're like, you're shaming yourself and you're saying, I am not good enough. I'm not worthy. Therefore I need to overwork and over-prepare and become perfect before someone is willing to accept me or take a chance on me. And so I think like getting to the root of, if you are someone who's an overachiever, a perfectionist type a asking yourself, what is the root issue? Or like, what's this maybe chip on your shoulder? That's really causing you to believe that you have to be perfect. And sometimes, you know, even for me, like knowing that our family came from nothing, right? That there was a lot of sacrifice. So there's a feeling of guilt of feeling like I have to achieve. And if I don't, then it's shameful. Then I am ashamed to, you know, everyone that has sacrificed for me. And it's letting go of what I call those good girl voices that are telling you in your head that you aren't good enough, that you are not worth it. And realizing that those are not your authentic voices. Those are the voices of society and media, maybe your family, your friends, the status quo, whatever. But your most authentic bad bitch voice is the one that actually is the boldest, most unapologetic, most intuitive voice that knows what's best for you. How can someone, or maybe you share how you found yours, how can someone find that voice? Because just listening to what you explained, I agree with what you're saying, but it's confusing when you're in it. Like when you're saying, but I don't even know the difference between what's been fed to me because it all has merged together. Mm. Well, one thing that I think the way our society has really hurt women is it's made us disconnected from our bodies and how we feel like there's definitely this epidemic of women just being burnt out and stressed and overtired and overworked. And we're like, I think that there's a revolution coming where we're all kind of like, well, screw this. I'm so freaking tired of just having all these expectations to be a certain type of woman. And like, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm really, I'm really burnt out here. One thing that I have been really good at is listening to my body, like the feeling of being trapped, the feeling of being put in a box, the feeling of like that discomfort where I'm like, I don't feel like this is me. 
back to that little voice that says, I believe I'm meant for something more. I believe I have something to offer to the world. Like find that little voice inside of you that believes that you're worth something more than you currently are valuing yourself at. And I think it's just like giving yourself enough space to sit down and be like, who the F am I? (laughs) You know, like how is the biggest, baddest, most authentic version of myself supposed to feel? Like, I'm not supposed to feel like this on a day-to-day basis. And I think when you actually drop into the feminine, which is that's something that I've really been working on is like embodying more of my feminine, having been in so many male-dominated industries. And I'm like, the more I do that, the more I start hearing this like intuitive voice that starts with a feeling, not my logical brain. When starting out a new business, it's a complete pain to get through the LLC part. Taylor Brands makes it 90% easier. It's easy and affordable to get your LLC with Taylor Brands. Taylor Brands offers all the legal requirements for LLCs, such as registered agent, annual compliance, EIN, operating agreement, business license and permits, and much more. Taylor Brands walks you through each step of building a successful business and has everything you need all in one place. Bookkeeping, invoicing, business licenses and permits, business documents, bank accounts, and so much more. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using this link, taylorbrands.com slash confidence. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash confidence. So get started today with Taylor Brands. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized I can do this. I can go to work for myself. Thanks to Shopify. What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash monahan 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. I am so similar to you in that regard. And it's such an opportunity for me to work on in order to grow is to get into that feminine side more. Because to your point, what we learned from our past lives was to get ahead, you need to be the toughest one. You need to be the most aggressive, especially if you're the woman, because you have to show them you're stronger than they are, that you won't be bullied. And truly, I found that to be very, very true. I couldn't be that feminine version of myself when I was in corporate America. And now it's almost trying to unlearn that to relearn who I'm really was supposed to be and meant to be. And to your point about getting in touch with your feelings, it's been hard to do that. And then to start to embrace it and feel excited about it when it comes naturally and celebrate it is really, that's the most powerful I'm becoming for myself. And in those moments, I feel more connected to God, source, universe, however you want to see it or your higher self. And that's when the best ideas start coming to me. And that's when the magic starts happening. But I don't think people understand that. Would you agree with that? 100%. And it's crazy that you're saying that too, because I feel like there is a certain level of woman who's like gotten to a place in herself where she's, especially when you've been successful, right? And you're like, I have fought for my success. And I got to that point where I'm like, I'm tired of fighting. I'm just like, I want to relax in my spa, come up with my creative ideas, hang out with my girlfriends, have some wine. And like, when you start stepping back. And I also say, I'm like a bad bitch doesn't lean in. She leans the fuck back when people don't respect her. And unless I'm like in my lean back phase, I'm like, you know what universe, like I'm open to receiving. I don't need to fight for this. And that's when we start cultivating this abundance. And I think, yeah, there's a lot more women in my life since I've kind of unleashed my bad bitch self, where I start attracting women who are like abundant and they're realizing there's something greater in like, the spiritual universe, higher frequency, something that isn't this corporate, you know, rat race BS that we've been used to. I couldn't agree more, but one of the things that has been confusing for me and still frankly is confusing is because we had success doing it, the I'm going to scratch claw and fight my way there. Check, check and check. Me too. Did it, did it. And it worked because it worked. It is hard sometimes to say you know, to teach on this or preach on this or, you know, speak on it, because I also know that if you go that route in certain arenas, that will work for you too. So how do you decipher that? Or do you think there's like a time and place for it to channel that masculine energy? Or do you think, no, that's just wrong. That's old way of thinking. And we need to lean into this new way that we know that we're onto. Yeah. I mean, I think even just using the term masculine feminine is a little you know, it's like a little bit outdated, but it's like, there's no better way to describe it. So for the sake of using these labels, like we'll use them. I've got a lot of masculine in me and I love that side, the drive, the competitiveness, the like exponential thinking and just like goal orientation where I'm like, I'm just going to go get it. At the end of the day, I think it's about balance. And I think most of us though, men and women have over-indexed on the masculine and really shamed the feminine. And so I do think that Every time these things happen, there needs to be a bit of an overcorrection, right? There needs to be an honoring of the feminine, like an unapologetic honoring of what it means to be a bold feminine woman in business. And I think it's up to you know women like us to really set that example and show how 
you know, self-love and self-care and like creating space and room for creativity is really important. And collaboration is more in women's nature than it is with men. We've talked about this so much, but I finally feel like the wave is turning for women to who actually want to collaborate because it's like we've all reached a certain level of success. And then we're like, I don't really want to do this alone. This kind of sucks. <laughs> it really it's lonely. It's too yeah. lonely and it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it's willing. I got to a point where I decided I'm willing to take the risk knowing, of course, I know there's some people that, you know, don't have the right intention and, and might not actually fall through or whatever, but I'm willing to take that risk and get burnt by somebody because of the doors that have opened for the genuine connections and great people that I've met out there by leaning into it. So yeah, totally on board. When you look back at your career and the massive success you've had, not only as a gymnast, but in business, it's unbelievable when you look at those experiences, how did those experiences or which experience do you look back to that you feel like really propelled you forward to becoming the bad bitch or and jumping into the bad bitch business empire that you're now creating? It's like all the big things were always hardships. And it was always like when I started my first company, it was the sexism I experienced in Silicon Valley. And realizing, you know, this was pre me too. There were no safe spaces for female entrepreneurs to develop good relationships with investors when they were fundraising. And when I launched the Bad Bitch Empire and got my book deal for the Bad Bitch Business Bible, it was part of the realization that as I reflected on all the things that had been most valuable to me in terms of lessons, I was like, wow, it was like mistake after mistake after mistake, you know, everything from toxic business partners, not knowing my legal paperwork done well. It was not negotiating that first time or multiple times, you know, giving my money before signing the contract based off of trust, all these really naive mistakes that I made. Every time I grew, it was because I made a mistake or one might think of as a failure. And so in the first chapter of the book, I really talk about the mindset of a bad bitch, which is a bad bitch is unbreakable, which means that every time you fall, you get back up even stronger and you take those learnings as part of like, and you wear those proudly. I think that's the thing, not trying to feel ashamed of your failures or being like, oh, that's so stupid. It's like, I'm really proud that I made this mistake and I am that much stronger as a result of it. One of the things you mentioned was like, get back up, right? That we're going to get knocked down. We're going to have failures. How do you get back up? Because this is a question I'm asked a lot. When I got fired, I got back up the next day and people will write to me and say, but I took months to get back up. So how do you make that happen more quickly that we all know we're going to fail? How do we bounce back faster from it? The first is you need to develop enough trust in yourself that you believe and know that there is a silver lining on the other side. And when I think about why this muscle developed on me so quickly and so early on, it was because as a gymnast, you literally fall thousands of times. And there's nothing quite like the experience of falling publicly in front of tens of thousands of people. And you are feeling the embarrassment, the shame, the physical and emotional pain. And you're like, oh my God, this is so terrible. And somehow finding that strength within to be like, I'm just going to get back up, put a smile on my face and show must go on. And so when you do that enough times and you realize that you don't die, <laughs> like really, it's like your body instinctually feels like it's going to die from even that emotional pain. It becomes a muscle where I'm like, okay, every time this happens, I've seen a pattern 
And that pattern is I always get better. And so eventually you just have to trust. You're like, okay, this is literally how this muscle works. And I had another really, really painful experience this past year that was personal. A lot of us, like you see people who are successful, you know, outwardly, professionally, and they have like a lot of things going personally. It's very hard to talk about it. And this took me like even longer to get through it. And I was like, it was so painful, but I was just like, when's the growth coming? Give me the growth. And like, you can't really speed up sometimes the healing, but what I think you have to do is you have to give yourself grace in that healing period and not again, shame yourself, berate yourself. Like, why am I not healing faster? Why am I not back to normal again? And I love this metaphor, which is like, imagine you discover the baby bird with the broken wing and you bring that baby bird back and you're not like, it's today. Go fly. Why are you not flying? You know, you're like, it's okay. We're going to take care of your wing. We're going to nurture it. And then like when it becomes healthy again, you're like, okay, let's fly. And so remembering yourself, you know, it's like sometimes we're all a bird with a broken wing. You can't just force it to heal. So just this week, I was talking to a friend of mine and she's like, oh, I broke up with my boyfriend, which on the outside, listen, everybody knew she should, right? Like that's always the way we're the last ones to know when it's us, right? And so I said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm really happy for you. Um, Don't worry, things are gonna be great. She goes, oh no, I already met the most incredible man. 24 hours later, listen to how it all happened. Literally like the universe serving this up. So as I'm hearing her say that, I had an epiphany. I said, hang on a second. It's truly serendipitous what you just explained. And I really think it's a result of you cutting this guy out of your life. Like, I think you declared, I am worth more than this. I am made for more. And my relationships are too. She says, oh yeah, that is 100% what happened. I'm like, then what the heck is going on with me? She goes, why don't you ask yourself that question? And Mm -hmm. immediately I said, because I think I'm mentally still hanging on to my ex. I'm still thinking. And she said, Heather, obviously, like the same way I knew she should break up with that guy. She was thinking to herself, stop thinking about your ex so you can actually move on. So sometimes it's just so much better that somebody else models it for us. Don't you feel it so much easier to spot in somebody else than it is in yourself? Absolutely. I mean, especially when it comes to matters of the heart and especially being powerful women, we often attract men who need fixing, but that's a whole nother topic. Bad bitches are done fixing broken we're men. Done. I'm in for we're, that. We're just raising the standard and see who meets us there. Otherwise, you're cut. That's how it works out. Oh, I'm so on that team. You have no idea. All right, you brought up negotiation, and I know you get into some negotiation in the book. Can you share some of your best negotiation tips? I mean, first thing is never accept the first offer. I think that, especially when you're starting, I mean, not even especially anytime. The first offer is almost never the best offer that someone can give you because there's an expectation that people negotiate. So you think of like someone's getting a job at a consulting firm and let's say 85% of the people hired that year are men. Well, guess what? Every single one of those men is going in and being like, pushing up that first offer. And so if you are the woman who's like, oh, I'm so grateful for this job. Like, thank you so much. You're not going to negotiate and then they're not going to offer. It never hurts to ask first and foremost. And then if you don't ask, you never get it. Right. And then the other thing is I actually have women do something that I call the bad bitch benchmark. And your bad bitch benchmark is you take essentially your hourly rate right now and you double it. And the reason you double it is because if you have been going through the system, you have most likely consistently undervalued yourself from the moment that you got your first job. And that 
exponentially grows in terms of difference, in terms of what the man is getting paid and what you're getting paid. So very likely you as a woman probably are worth double what you think you're worth (laughs) because I guarantee you the man next to you who is less qualified is probably charging that. That's insane because I'm thinking about my keynote speaker fees and you know that that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, obviously it depends on where you are in your career. Like if you're just starting out, like don't accept the first offer, you know, work hard, get to where you need to be in the table, but always negotiate. And then at a certain point when you got that track record and you're like, okay, let me concisely put this together. Let me package it and leverage this to actually get to the rate that I know is the going rate. And I think that part of that is like changing your mindset with money and like getting back to your worth aspect and knowing that like I am worth more, knowing that I create positive impact in this world. I'm creating great contributions to this company. And that isn't a like, oh, I need to ask for more money. It's just like a very matter of fact, like, hey, I know I work hard. I know I can create change here. And I would love to have a conversation about being compensated in a way that is a win-win for both of us. It feels less like a negotiation and more just like a conversation of like, hey, you know, we're both here at the table because I value you, you value me. Let's talk about ways that we both feel good about this. Right. It seems confrontational almost and highly emotional. And one of the things I learned um, when I was younger is that in major league sports, you know, there's agents involved. And the reason why agents are negotiating on people's behalf is because it's so personal and because it's so emotional. However, in the business world, we don't have agents, right? Someone would think you were crazy if you send an agent for you to negotiate. So we're left dealing with these highly emotional, highly personal situations. And to your point, especially when you're a woman, you're going to be even more emotional because you're feeling undervalued, you're feeling devalued. And I know for anyone listening right now, because I was there, you're hearing Lisa give this direction. You're thinking, no way am I going to do that because I could get fired. And in this economic situation right now, people are getting laid off and people are losing jobs. Like people are going to start telling themselves this negative Nelly narrative, right? Here's what I want people to know. I used to do the same thing. I was like, I have golden handcuffs. I can't risk it. I'm a single mother. Let me tell you all the reasons why I couldn't stand up for myself. And I would preach them to anybody. I should be grateful I'm in the C-suite that I made it. I'm representing women. I'm doing enough. No, because I used to go home at night crying because I wasn't comped fairly. I wasn't treated fairly. I wasn't added to the board of directors. All these things that were wrong, wrong, and wrong. And finally, I started standing up for myself a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. I ended up getting fired as a result, right? At the time, it seemed horrible. Cut to within two years, I was appointed my first board of directors. And when I was put on that board, I'm the only woman. And when I walk in, they cheer, they go crazy. They want me at that table versus I was trying to force myself to a table others didn't want me at. So if you find yourself in that same conundrum that I was in that, well, I'm making good money or I should be grateful for a job, but I just, I know if I push, they're going to kick me out. That's not the place for you. There is other opportunity. And what do you say, Lisa, to those people that are afraid right now, given the layoffs that are happening, how would you steer or direct them during these tumultuous times? I mean, it kind of goes back to even just you sharing that example of your friend and just meeting the guy the next day, right? Like it's really exiting this scarcity mentality of, oh, I only have one option, right? Like if you are smart, if you are hardworking, like if you're like, you're a go-getter because there's a type of person who, let's say if you really want to work at a company and you're afraid to leave the company, but that company's disrespecting you, you feel like I should feel grateful. By the way, if you have this narrative of like, 
oh, I should feel grateful. That probably means you're in the wrong place (laughs) because there's probably other things that are not really working well. And you're trying to justify to yourself why you're staying there. And that's the wrong energy for business, for relationships, right? Like how many times have you had a friend where she's like, yeah, but he's a good guy. He's nice. (laughs) When (laughs) And you're like, okay. And you're like, okay, you're just trying to make things up to stay because it's easier to stay than it is to bet on yourself. So I think it's first asking yourself, if you really bet on yourself, like, do you believe that there are going to be more abundant, better opportunities coming your way? Because there are a million job opportunities. People are always hiring. If it's not this company, it's that company. Listen, if it's not that guy, it's that guy. There's more than enough money to go around. And it's just letting yourself detach from the safety net that you have created in your mind, because it's not actually the safety net. If you are wasting your life on a job that (laughs) you don't actually like. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. I want you to know that finding ways to be more efficient, cut costs, and get rid of errors and mistakes can completely transform your business, boost your performance at the same time. This is why you need NetSuite now. Now, through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Monahan. netsuite.com slash Monahan. NetSuite.com slash Monahan. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer, and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, CBDistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Oh my gosh. My old mentor back in corporate America was an older white man and a great friend of mine, totally looked out for me. Wonderful human. Still to this day, he is. He would always remind me, never be desperate for a deal, a partnership or an opportunity. And his point was, because sometimes I'd freak out like, I don't know if I lose this deal. And he's like, there's always going to be another one. And desperate, so unattractive. And it took some conditioning for a while for me because I was an overachiever and a people pleaser and I don't want to lose and I'm competitive. 
And I had to start letting go. And as I stepped into that, started letting go of, I have to have this deal. I can't lose this deal. I started walking in with a bad bitch attitude to the table. Suddenly I wasn't going to lose a deal. Like I, I didn't even have to worry about it because they were more worried. Like we need her. We need that partner. They started feeling worried about. So it really flipped the script on that negative energy and turned it around for me. So I appreciate you talking about that. Yeah. People smell desperation. And when you are insecure, you reek of that. And that is the first thing you need to fix. The first thing you need to address is where is this coming from and how do I release that? So what are your cores or keys to confidence? It all starts with the mind. I am a very like mentally in my head kind of person. Like I'm, mind is constantly swirling with thoughts. And one of the first exercises that I have done with my coaching clients is something called the bad bitch body challenge. And in the bad bitch body challenge, I challenge women to stand in front of the mirror naked with themselves and literally do a body scan and notice all of the negative things that they say about themselves, about their body. You know, this is no makeup, no anything like you're just there, you're pure self. And you have to write that down. And so what a lot of women discover is like, even if they're successful, even if they have achieved a lot of things, they are horrified with the number of negative things they say about the woman that they see in the mirror. And it brings a lot of women to tears because they're like, holy shit, like I really hate myself. I didn't realize that. And how do you expect to be able to command your worth and really walk in with that bad bitch energy if literally you have this underlying narrative that actually doesn't even like yourself, doesn't like your body, doesn't like this thing that God, the universe, mother nature gave you. So then I have them really work on reversing those negative comments about themselves. And it said, what would you say instead if you actually loved yourself? And so they have to work on that and then eventually get to a point and keep doing this exercise where they can do that body scan, say those things to themselves that are positive. And it's very different when you're like literally looking at your own eyes in the mirror which is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. You know, like you can close your eyes and meditate and say like, I am wonderful. But when you're like looking dead in your eyes, you're like, how do I actually say I love you to this person when I'm like, wait, I don't like this about my body or that about my body. And you have to really like remove those voices and it's a process. Yikes, that sounds so hard. My <laughs> eyes were bugging out of my head listening to you say that because I was picturing myself doing it. And I, I know for sure, I started thinking of like, that's why, you know, you starve yourself. That's why, like, I mean, all the awful things that so many of us have done throughout our life and just, gosh, to like be confronted with that head on. Now I'm going to, you're making, I'm going to have to do that. So um, oh, great. Thanks a lot. I love that I'm in this whole growth phase of my life. Okay. So another challenge that you've had that might not seem obvious, and you touched on a little bit, is that you weren't from this country. You're not white. Did that set you up? Do you feel like for more success or was that more challenges for you along the way? So my parents came from China, but I was born here, but like my first language was Mandarin. I was born in Wisconsin and Wisconsin is not your most diverse <laughs> place in the world. And I remember one of the first, first memories I had was actually when I was invited to this little boy's birthday party. I was like six years old, maybe five. I don't know. And it was so exciting because I had this mini crush on him. And so we went to go buy him a birthday gift with what little money that we had. And 
when I got to this party, we were opening gifts and he got to my gift and I was so excited. And then he opens it up. It's this like toy truck. And he's like, Oh, thank you, Lisa. And I'm like, you welcome. And this girl next to me, she starts saying, she's like, it's not you welcome. It's your welcome, stupid. And then she starts laughing and pointing at me. And then I hear the whole table start chanting. It's like, oh, Lisa can't speak English. Lisa can't speak English. Oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. I know. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on. You're killing me right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a traumatic experience to be laughed at and shamed in front of your peers at such a young age. And that was the moment, I think, even I decided that I wanted to be really good at English. I was embarrassed by my heritage and my culture. And I think so much of what I've done is also because I've always felt like an outsider. I've always felt like I didn't belong. Also, I was really shy and introverted. And so I think that this feeling of never belonging in some ways actually also made me very focused on achievement because that was the way I could prove myself. It's like, listen, if I can't belong, I'm going to be outstanding and like really separate myself from the pack. And so, you know, there's the good and the bad because now it's like, I have all that under my belt, but it was definitely, you know, a painful experience growing up, especially when you're, yeah, when you're young, you want to be accepted and liked. Yeah, it is so painful. But like you said, you've been able to turn these painful moments into actual I mean, I hate to say it, but it's almost like a blessing because all that stuff did was drive you. And I feel like different situations, but same things, you know, pain points that I've had in my life ended up being blessings. They sure didn't seem like it at the time. But when you look back and you can actually connect the dots, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm grateful I grew up really poor and I was embarrassed about it because that made me work so much harder than anybody else. And you being born into Wisconsin of all flipping places. That made it so much harder on you, which made you so much more resilient when you became older. And that's why you were able to get ahead in business. So no matter what challenge you're faced with right now in your life, for everyone listening, know that it can turn into a blessing. You just got to keep working through it and stay focused on the positive future that lies ahead of you. You talk a lot about investing, finances, wealth. What are some of the tips or tricks you can share with the listeners on mindset around money? So the first thing is really understanding, I call these financial fictions. Like where are the false financial narratives that you have in your head that are ingrained in you from your past, from your family, right? So especially if you didn't grow up with wealth, you probably have a scarcity mentality, a fear of loss of money, a fear of people judging you about your money, a fear of not having enough money. And so there's an energetic money blueprint that you have where a lot of people cap out at the amount that their parents made, right? They don't even know, their nervous system can't even handle more. And there's this false belief of, okay, more money means more like responsibility, more work. It's going to be harder. Um, More money, more problems. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways it can be true. However, it's like, you have to believe yourself it goes back to like deservingness and worthiness, right? It's like, there's a part of you that's telling the universe, I don't deserve more. And when you put out that fear, when you have those financial fictions in your head saying like, it is easy to lose money. It is easy for me to go into debt. I don't have the education. I am not a numbers person. Like whatever you're telling yourself, it's like, you are just putting that out into the universe. And so it, I think, I mean, everything that I've done, I feel like has been mind over matter. And it's like, there's a certain type of person that does the work and says, you know what, 
I am going to choose to not believe these voices anymore. And so I would say that's the first thing. It still goes back to those good girl voices. Like what narrative are you perpetuating in your head that doesn't belong to your biggest, boldest, most unapologetic bad bitch self? Would a bad bitch be like, oh, I can't do this because I'm afraid to lose money. When you know, like the data is out there about investing. If you don't invest your money and you keep it in a savings account, you are losing money every day because the inflation rate is greater than the savings rate. And so, yes, it is part of the media messages that have like 90% of articles targeted towards men are about growth and investing. 90% of articles targeted at women are about saving and spending less. And so all the messages around us are telling us to like play small, save money, don't spend too much versus like when you energetically invest money into an asset class that you have done your research on, that you believe in, that means that money is going to grow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I actually have been exploring something recently about in my own journey, like the embodiment of feminine wealth and like how that looks like in a very masculine financial jargon filled world. And even when you think about our natural capability as women is like we take seeds and we birth life, we expand, we grow. Why is that any different for money, which is just another energetic exchange of creating value in this world? Ooh, I love that analogy. It's so true. And that visual is now in my head. So thank you for birthing that visual for me, Lisa. That was very well done. All right. I want to reach the 10 bad bitch commandments. A bad bitch is unbreakable, takes up space, asserts her voice, owns her wins, curates her crew, calls out bullshit, loves money, commands her worth, invests her assets, builds empires together. Lisa, tell us who is this book for and where can everyone get it? This book is for any woman who feels like she could be doing more, that she has a potential inside of her that is not yet unleashed. And I feel like it's really any woman who has any sort of ambition to create some sort of impact in this world, whether that is creating impact on your community or creating impact on a certain demographic. Listen, if you want to change the world, like you got to start with yourself. And so at the core of this book, even though there's a lot of conversation about business and investing and negotiation, it's about self-respect, self-trust and self-worth. And I believe that if you want to create an impact in this world, you need to start with really honing in that abundant self and being able to walk into that room knowing like, no matter what happens around me, I, as a bad bitch, have the power to create my own reality. And when I do that, when I say what I want and I know what I want, that's going to create a ripple effect around me because the people around me will see me, support me and rise up with me. Oh, it's so powerful. Where can everyone find the book? 
You can go to badbitchempire.com and then get it anywhere books are found, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera. And when you get the book, you will get access to a whole treasure chest of masterclasses, everything from breaking free of good girl brainwashing, the bad bitch investing masterclass, the bad bitch pitch masterclass, if you're an entrepreneur wanting to pitch investors. So there's a bunch of really cool masterclasses in there. So if you pre-order the book, get the book, you'll be able to get access to all of those goodies. And that's at badbitchempire.com. And I will link that in the show notes below. Go get this book. Only take direction from people who have been where you want to go. This woman has been there and continues to pave the way. Lisa, thank you so much for all that you're doing for everybody. Thank you so much, Heather. Until next week, guys, keep creating your confidence. on this journey with me. Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential. Don't believe me? I'm going to go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too. You have helped me so much these last few weeks. I was with a narcissist for two years. She drove me to the point I wanted to take my own life. Listening to you has made a massive difference and now I know what I'm with. Thank you, Rebecca. Now the recovery. Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.